Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the Wealth Within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcasts globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. We cover topics from trading to investing, as well as wealth creation to ensure you can achieve your financial goals. Because as we always say, lifestyle matters. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. If you'd like more information about our government accredited courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Hello and welcome to Talking Wealth. I'm Doug Gillen, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within. And today I thought I'd do a podcast on... Um, well, what happened last week with the, uh, the Australian Treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, and uh, what he came out with early last week. I think he did that on, on Monday. He came out with a statement, uh, and I'll read that to you. It was on, it's actually on his website, so if you uh, go to his um, federal minister's website and you'll see the announcement that he put out or an article he put out talking about corporate Australia and how, um, how do I say it, their short-term view, and you're talking about things like paying extra dividends and doing buybacks, and the business world basically canned him, for want of a better word. The business council and other business leaders all came out and canned him, and I thought, when I saw it, I thought, well, I know why he said that, but I'm not sure everybody else understands really the ramifications of why he actually said it. I mean, he's actually quite a smart person, and he didn't say that, or he didn't talk about what uh, what he's... Uh, what he's talking about here with the buybacks and etc he doesn't talk about that lightly and that's really what i'm trying to say but what i'll do is i'll actually read his announcement um, or his article that's on his website and we'll go through it and we'll stop a couple of places and have a a little bit of a chat about it because i thought it's quite interesting because i know most australians wouldn't have probably read it um just waiting on the, the media to talk about things and the media as you know they tend to over inflate things and put a biased view on certain things and uh, and at the end of the day, everybody's self-interested, and if you're not self-interested, then there's obviously something wrong. But uh, and we all have our own biases. But it gets down to difference of what's best for the company, or what's best for its employees, what's best for the directors of the company, or what's best for the management of the company, and what's best for Australia. And I think what Josh Frydenberg was trying to to do, or what what he was trying to say, is well, what's best for Australia and and for the companies as well. So let's have a, a read of what he says. And he starts off his, his article. It's about a three-page article, but it's not too bad. It's big words. Um, so therefore, they take up a lot of space. Um, he goes on to say, um, as John Howard noted recently, many of us have won the lottery of life being born in Australia. And I've said that many, many, many times. You know, they call Australia the lucky country for a reason. And I think when you see what goes on in the US, you really know um, why you're lucky to be in Australia. And I've been to the US a few times now, and I'll be going there in the next 12 months, possibly once or twice, because um, I do have my book launched over there, and I've got business interest in the US. But when you go over there, I, when I'm in America, while I like the place, I always want to come home because I just don't feel as safe in America as I do in Australia. Uh, and I really do think, you know, John Howard got it right. We have really won the lottery being born in Australia. 
Um, but Josh goes on to say others have chosen to make Australia their home because of the opportunities that are afforded it. Totally agree with that. But our future prosperity will require us to make our own luck and no task is more important to this end than boosting our productivity. And I really like what he said, we, our, but our future prosperity will require us to make our own luck. And I often say that to people, is luck, what's, it's an acronym for Labour Under Correct Knowledge. L-U-C-K, Labour Under Correct Knowledge. Because as I think it was the great Arnold Palmer, the great, great golf Arnold Palmer said, the more I practice, the luckier I get. And I find a lot of people have in Australia this, how do I say, this entitled um, attitude that I'm entitled to X, Y and Z. Uh, and mainly it's about government services. I'm entitled to a pension. I'm entitled to this. To me, the pension, and as you probably heard me say on podcast before, the pension is a safety net, not a retirement plan. But too many Australians believe that the pension is a retirement plan and because they've worked all their life, they're entitled to it. No, you're not. It's a safety net. And it's there in case something happens in your life and you don't have enough savings. That's the whole intent of the pension. And think too many people have got that, well, I'm entitled to it because I live in this lucky country, so... I'm going to get it, so I'm going to move, do things so I don't have to save so that the government's going to pay me a pension. How is that productive for Australia? And really, that's where people have that self-interest that I was talking about earlier and not necessarily looking at that bigger picture. But but Josh is right. We, we are required to make our own luck. I mean, the only thing, you know, entrepreneurs or people that go out and do things, they take risks, um, you know, and we do get it wrong at times. You know, we do make mistakes at times and we do go bankrupt at times. All those sorts of things happen as entrepreneurs. Um, but at the end of the day, is it's about how many times you get up, not how many times you fall. But boosting the productivity of our country is, is should be, and it should be paramount by with the, for a federal government, but it should all be, also be something that we as Australians should look at as well. Um, Josh has, uh, goes on to say productivity has contributed over half of the 3.1% annual average growth that we enjoyed over the past 28 years. Now, to give you a contrast, China grows at about 5 to 6%, so we're growing at 3.1%. That's pretty good. Now, the dividend for Australian people from this record run of growth and higher terms of trade has been a lift in national income per person from around 40000 to over seventy thousand dollars in real terms, so that's over twenty-eight years he's talking about there, um, which is pretty good, isn't it? Um, Australia now has the eleventh highest GDP per capita in the world, eleventh highest GDP per capita in the world. Um, but our productivity growth has been slowing, averaging one point one percent over the last five years. So it's slowed. Should we get our average annual productivity growth to lift from one point one percent to one point five percent, where it has historically been, then the annual incomes per person will be over $3,000 higher by the end of the decade. So in, in, in what he's basically saying, if we get productivity up, you're going to get a pay rise. Um, and to me, I don't have an issue with that. And I have, you know, being an employer and having been an employer for probably close to two decades and having run a couple of companies, it's interesting how employees come to you and say, I'd like a pay rise, but then they're not offering anything else. They're not offering anything to the business. They're doing a job or J-O-B, junior the broke, just over broke. They come in, they get paid good to do a job. But I always say to people, if you want to get a pay rise, make yourself more valuable. And that's by doing things that are more valuable to the business. And I think, again, here's where a lot of Australians are 
uh, believe they're entitled to pay rise just because they've been at a, a, a place of employment for a year or two years or three years. Just give me a pay rise. But businesses have got to get that money from somewhere. They've got to make more money to pay out more money in wages. And it's just this balance. And that's where you see these. Um, yeah, I believe police, um, emergency services people, nurses, teachers, all underpaid. And I think they should all be paid higher wages. And I was only um, at a barbecue with a couple of teachers two weeks ago. And I said, I wouldn't have your job for quits. Like, just you have to put up with crap from parents. You have to keep put up from the kids and you get paid terrible wages. Like seriously, I think they should be paid a hell of a lot more. And same with obviously nurses, same with obviously um, you know, essential services, police, those sorts of people. I think we should be paying them higher wages, not lower wages. But anyway, that's a whole nother debate. But if you want to make yourself, uh, get yourself a pay rise, make yourself more valuable. That's the point. Um, Josh goes on to say, uh, to understand how we lift our productivity, we first need to understand why it's been slowing. It would seem three main factors are at play. First, as the OECD has found, while innovations are clearly occurring, giving benefit to some firms, they they have not spread as widely to other firms across the economy as one would hope. There is a clear gap between those at the front frontier and the rest. So we're seeing innovations, sorry for my paper rustling, Uh, we're seeing innovations in the technology sector with new apps, those sorts of things. But it's not broad, that's what he's saying. Josh goes on to say, many firms appear to be waiting for technologies like artificial intelligence, autonomous vehicles, or the internet of things to mature before they adopt them. That's pretty common. I know with the financial services industry in Australia, once you've proven a concept, they'll come in and buy you. They wait for you to do all the hard work, put all the effort in over many, many years, and when you prove it works, They'll come in and offer you a big checkbook and say, hey, say it's sold to us. And we've seen Facebook, Google, uh, those sorts of places, Microsoft, Apple, buy other companies who've done exactly the same thing in the US. So, But it does. You sit back and watch what somebody else does. it. Um, for example, here's one of uh, Apple never comes out straight away with a phone with the new technology. They wait for somebody else to prove it and then they do stuff. For example, 5G. Apple won't have a 5G phone for probably at least two years and yet 5G is in Australia right now. It's growing, but Apple wait for it to come out and then they release a 5G phone. So you can't get a 5G Apple iPhone right now and you won't be for at least a couple of years. Um, Josh goes on to say, second, for some technologies it takes time for full benefits to be seen. This was the case with electrification when it came to the US in the 1890s, but it took 30 years for factories to reconfigure their processes to enable them to take massive, maximize the gains. A corollary today is, is the effective use of machine learning, which requires a new approach with the right data sets. Skilled technicians and analysts, as well as a regulatory framework fit for the purpose. Third, there is a long run structural shift in the Australian economy towards services as incomes rise. The services sector, which makes up around 70% of the Australian economy, compared to around 60% three decades ago, tends to be by its nature to have lower levels of productivity. Services are more labour-intensive and less likely to see capital substitution. So services, like we're talking about restaurants, uh, waiters, those sorts of people, we're talking about all different things, you know, housekeeping, you know, a range, a range of different services that require people to do roles. And it's interesting what he's saying here. It said, you know, it, it tends to by nature have lower levels of productivity. So as soon as you in, input human beings into the equation, you have lower level of productivity. Hmm, that's interesting. And I and I can say that I know lots of business owners, both from manufacturing and services industries. And it's interesting to see on mass, all of them say it's hard to get people 
to really be worth what they're getting paid a lot of times because people come to work and they're on their mobile phones, they're surfing the net, they're having big chats over the coffee machine, you know, having smokos, the list goes on, and yet they're there to work. And there's one company said to me, said, you know, one of their employees, um, you know, uh, has wanted time off and they wanted it to be much more flexible but then they weren't offering something back in return for their business they just wanted everything for themselves and they're, they're being again what I was talking about selfish but uh, in the end of the day in services businesses they are very much intensive um, from that point of view but uh, as I said it's a lot harder to see capital substitution there like automation in there but it will happen uh, so Josh says, how much and how quickly our productivity increases from here across the overall economy will depend on the actions of governments, employers and employees who all have a role to play. I agree with that. Businesses need to back itself and use its balance sheets to invest and grow. With Australian corporates enjoying healthy balance sheets, low borrowing costs and strong equity market conditions, the question is, are they aggressively aggressive enough pursuing growth? And here's the conjecture that he had with the um, business leaders of Australia. For example, share buybacks and capital returns are becoming increasingly prominent and the default option for corporates. But is a buyback always the best option for the future growth of the company and therefore the economy? Um, he says over the last 12 months, approximately $29 billion has been returned to shareholders in the form of buybacks and special dividends, compared on average to $12 billion over the previous four years. There's a 140% increase. Now, he says, understandably, management and boards, when they're in possession of excess capital, either from asset sales or strong operating cash flows, will want to be prudent around capital allocation. But the lesson from companies like CSL and Cochlear is to take advantage of conditions, invest in research and development, back yourself to grow. For these companies, the willingness to take appropriate risk is part of their long-term growth strategy and success. A more positive approach to investment and growth by Australian corporates would not only lead to stronger economy, but would contribute to the goal of capital deepening. Government is focused on enabling productive businesses to invest in more and better quality tools to equip workers, creating opportunities to improve skills and the capabilities of our labour force, and empowering businesses to put labour and capital to work. Now he goes on about tax reforms and deregulation, blah, blah, blah. But the point thing is, is, is buybacks and, and dividends. Now the thing is we need to understand, and, and this is very much in a corporate sort of America type world, where it's not about the business, it's about the person, the management team wanting more money. And uh, they're pushing everything to the shareholders. So pay, if there's cash in there, pay it back to the shareholders in, in terms of excess dividends. Um, do buybacks to support the share price. If I'm supporting the share price, I get paid a bonus as the CEO. And so you're seeing corporations worldwide, very, very short-term view. It's not about the sustainability and growth of the long-term of the company because they know they're only the CEO of that company for four weeks, uh, sorry, four years, five years, six years. You know, 10 years is huge in corporate world in terms of longevity. So we're seeing turnover of CEOs and they're trying to create value so they get the bonuses in the shares and the share price rising so they make millions of dollars. They don't care about what the company's gonna be doing in 20, 30, 40 years. That's somebody else's issue. And we've got that short-term thinking. But the thing that Josh Frydenberg doesn't say in here is the governments also have that thinking. The governments only think about the next election and they're not looking long-term. So it's almost, in my view, the pot calling the kettle black here because governments and politicians for years have just been looked 
uh, looking towards just getting re-elected themselves and getting the government back in in four years' time, we should be putting in lots of stuff for the next 20, 30, 40 years. And companies are not doing that. And whereas CSL and Cochlear, both government-floated businesses, both of them were owned by the government and both were floated by the government. So maybe they still have that this idea that it should be long-term growth. But we're not seeing that investment in businesses because if they're putting money into something that's not going to bring them dividends, in theory, I mean growth, and in case profits, that's going to take five or ten years to realise, companies aren't doing that as much. They're keeping that back instead. So instead of using the money to do that, they're shoving it back out in dividends and obviously buy and using it for buybacks. And that's really what Josh Frydenberg is actually saying. And I agree with him. Companies need to be doing that. Now, as a shareholder, I want to get the dividends and I want the share price to rise. So that's understandable what businesses are there for the shareholders. But there's got to be a bit of a balance. And I think that's really what he's saying is, well, you can do that. Why aren't you looking long-term as well and building long-term value, a much longer-term value in the company? Because it will reflect in the share price and in the growth and stability of that company and create great companies. Now, if you look at the Dow Jones, GE was the last of the founding companies in the Dow Jones to fall out of it last year. It was the last one of the original founding companies that got put out of the Dow Jones index last year. And you look at GE's share price, it's faltering. It's because they're just not looking long term. GE was poised. That was the company that was founded by, um, um, who was it? I was going to say George Washington, but it's not George Washington. Um, It was the guy that invented the telephones. (laughs) That guy, I've forgotten his name and I shouldn't forget his name, but uh, you know what I mean. Uh, And But looking at this in terms of growth and what we should be doing with productivity because as as Josh Frydenberg says productivity is truly a national task requiring national conversation and he goes on to say he's going to be placing it productivity um, as a standalone agenda at the next meeting in October of treasurers Um, and uh, this will go on and help treasury the the governments the states and federal territories to outline their priorities but he goes on to say the fundamentals of the Australian economy are strong I agree with him we are as well placed as any country to navigate the choppy seas ahead again I agree with him and the reason why I agree with him is because talking about growth China running five to six percent it was running at about 15 16 percent four five years ago so it's halved its growth and that's why a lot of talk about China slowing and it has but it's been five or six percent for the last year or two but looking at india is around the same india is just as big as china is going and it's running along quite hot then you've got vietnam doing around five percent and you've got indonesia doing stuff as well so you're looking at these asian countries (coughs) sorry doing quite well and australia is really really poised to be with those countries and to grow with them and that's why i believe our economic path is good and we could be or we will be moving along with them because we're much more aligned to Asia than we are to Europe and America and especially America we're not as aligned, aligned economically as much with them but we are to China so China's slowing it does affect us as we know but China's not going to be it's still running as faster than pretty much any other economy in the world so it's still doing well. So what happens is, is there is a balancing out happening or has been happening as where they were 
going up hell for leather. And because they've slowed, they've slowed down taking things from Australia, like our iron ore and everything else. But eventually, surpluses get sucked up. And when those surpluses all get sucked up, the rock bottoms happened, and then they start buying more again because they're still running at 5 to 6%. Same with India, as I said, and Vietnam. So they're going to be taking some of that. And over the last four years, I think that's been happening. So I think the next four, five, six years for us is quite good as well. Um, but as I said, in, you know, what Josh Weidenberg is actually saying, he said, however, in order to continue our path of economic growth and rising living standards, we need to work together, governments, employers and employees. And I, again, I agree with him here. And he guess he puts a couple of quotes in here at the end of his um, report saying productivity, as US Nobel Prize winning economist Paul Krugman has said, isn't everything but in the long term in the long run it's almost everything and it really is about being productive um, simply put lifting our productivity will see Australians earn more for what they do and this will be a benefit to every single person um, and really that's really what about it I, I know with us as, as when we've had employees that go over and above not just doing the job come in and do a plus b and trying to get a wage for that anybody who comes into our business and adds value to the business over and above what they're getting paid for they get rewarded and that's really what it's about it's rewarding those people that are more productive and people should be more productive rather than being entitled or think they can walk into a job and just get a paycheck for doing nothing or very little and I see that right across the board as I said I attend business meetings and I meet business people all the time and there are a lot of people just sitting on their backside so to speak at work pretending to, to work hard but they're not really they're not being productive as a nation if we're more productive we're, we're wealthier and everybody benefits so but i think that was a really good thing as i said if you want to have a good read of what josh frydenberg the federal treasurer said just go to his website you'll see it there it was it was put out a week ago last monday um, but as i said the employers um in chamber of commerce those people came out and slammed him for saying that you know hey they shouldn't be doing so much in paying out extra money in dividends and buybacks i think it was on the money um, from that point of view. But anyway, you've been listening to Talking Wealth. I'm Dale Gillam, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within. Take care. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.